Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. Today on the program, I am joined by Max Altshuler. And if you don't know Max, let me do a quick introduction. He's the VP of Marketing at Outreach.io. Outreach. I'm sure many of you know Outreach and know of their solutions. We'll dive into a little bit of that later on. But first, you know, Max and I have a number of things in common. And one of the things that we have in common is going to be the theme for today's podcast, which is around sales and marketing alignment. And Max, uh, both you and I come from starting our careers in sales and ending up in marketing. So uh, we've got that in common as well. And I'm sure we'll serve as a really good base for our conversation. Uh, how are you? And where are you? You said you're, you're locked up in a hotel with some family this week. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm in uh, Austin, Texas right now, hanging out in a hotel meeting room uh, with the family in town. So fun times. Nice. I'm going to be in Austin later this year, April time frame for uh, one of the conferences that takes place there. Yeah, serious decisions. Uh, you, 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 good down guess. here every year. Ding, ding, ding. Staring at the convention center right now. Yep. Last time I was there, well, it wasn't the last time. First time I was there for uh, in the hotel was um, it was right after the election. There was a lot of protesting going on in the street down below. So I don't know if they're protesting today, but last time I was there, big parade down the street. I'd imagine it's this is like the city that is the outlier of the rest of the state. So uh, I think Austin is, thinks a little bit differently than the rest of Texas. Uh, makes sense. Cool. Well, hey, as Max and yeah. I were getting this episode together for you guys, we, you know, there's the, there's the term sales and marketing alignment, and we wanted to go deeper into that and talk about that it's way beyond alignment and get into sales and marketing integration and orchestration. And as I said, Max and I both come from backgrounds where we started our career in sales. I'm, I'm curious to know how that, that was for you, Max, and what the motivation was there. And then we both, um, pivoted and, and went into marketing. And, and as I said, Max, the VP of marketing at Outreach. Um, so what, what led you into sales in your career, Max? How'd you, how'd, you, how'd you end up there? Yeah, so I was always very entrepreneurial and uh, not a big academic. So graduated college with a degree that sounded made up. It was called the Bachelor of Interdisciplinary Studies. And it does sound made um, they, they also called it BIS. It was a BIS. It, it, it was an acronym. And uh, they also said it stood for barely in school, but it was uh, like two minors equal to major. And I was an architecture major when I first started college, but then the housing market crashed. This was about seven oh eight, So I had to kind of pivot. So anyway, graduating college, super entrepreneurial, started a bike share program that failed, started another business strictly to make American money while living abroad that failed, but I was always good at the sales part. Um, so I ended up getting a job at a small startup called Udemy. And I was one of the first 10 employees. It's an online education marketplace. And they essentially assigned me to build the supply side of the marketplace, which is the sales side of the marketplace. And I felt like the CEO of my own business, the CEO, like when you're in sales, you're the CEO of your own book, your own territory. You get to be creative with, you know, anything you want to do in the sales process, right? You get to go build your own processes. You get to, you know, create your own enablement materials and, um, you know, figure out what's working, what's not working, test things if you really want to, which you should. And I love that as a, someone who is entrepreneurial. I, I, I really enjoyed the human connection and working with people. 
but I also enjoyed the autonomy that came with sales as long as you were doing well, right? Like if you're not doing well, you're going to start getting micromanaged and, uh, you know, it's going to be a problem for you in in short order. So we, uh, we scaled that marketplace. I took them to their seed A and B rounds of funding. Um, now it's a multi-billion dollar company. Uh, that was 2013. So, you know, seven years later, but it's been a, it's been a fun ride for them. I left in 2013 and at the time I was doing some really hacky stuff in our sales process, leveraging virtual assistants in the Philippines and making them our, you know, uh, our, our sales development, um, representatives. Uh, so completely outsourcing sales development. I was leveraging early sales engagement platforms like tout app, um, to allow them to send the emails on our behalf. We were scraping lists using, uh, um, the development language named Python. Mm-hmm. So we were able to scrape, uh, Amazon and some other lists for all the best selling authors and then um, essentially build those into lists, go out and uh, attain contact information, and then have the uh, sales development reps in the Philippines reach out to these people on our behalf with one-to-one emails that were like somewhat canned and templated. And this was like the, the, the uh, first variation of kind of leveraging technology in this way to grow and grow quickly. And I started getting hit up by a lot of founders and a lot of salespeople to to understand, you know, well, what was I doing to help Udemy grow so fast? And I realized there was demand for that kind of education. So I started a media company called Sales Hacker. And this actually became my first accidental foray into marketing because as most marketers know, um, your brand, when you're building it for a, you know, a vendor, you're essentially just creating a media company on top of your vendor. You're throwing conferences, you're writing blog posts, you know, and you're doing it in a holistic manner. Your, your, your outward facing brand is, you know, essentially a media company that you're building on top of, of your company. That's your marketing arm. Uh, so it grew sales hacker to 80,000 subscribers. Uh, we did a joint conference with Salesforce every year called sales machine. Uh, we had two big events that we were doing every year, uh, with, uh, 1500 to 2000 people each. And, uh, we were global. We had meetups going in 32 cities. And the company got acquired by Outreach. And the conversation that I had with the CEO of Outreach was, um, congrats on the Series D that they had just raised. They had raised $65 million in funding at a half a billion dollar valuation. And um, I said, hey, you know, congrats on the round. What keeps you up at night? And he said, marketing. And I said, well, I've got a, you know, media company with an 80,000 subscriber base, podcast, conferences, you name it. For salespeople, media company for B2B sales. You got the best in class B2B, you know, sales technology. Let's do this thing. Mm-hmm. So they did the acquisition and uh, I became the VP of marketing, which was the first time I was ever technically labeled a marketer in my career, now running marketing for a half a million dollar company. And building a media company was very similar to running, you know, a marketing organization on the, on the top of vendors. So now here I was with the sales background, started out in sales been networking and, and working with salespeople, practitioners for the past, you know, at this point, seven years. And now I'm thrown into the fire as a marketer. And I'll tell you what, I learned a lot from sales that I can use in marketing and made the transition really easy because marketing is like, you know, a one to many type thing and sales is a one to one type thing. So I leveraged a lot of my, my learnings as a salesperson so far become a marketer and 
that's kind of my background in a nutshell, and I know we'll we'll go into a a lot more detail shortly. Yeah, appreciate you sharing that. Like I said, we we have a lot of things in common, and and one of those, Max, was you know the path that got us here. My reasons for getting into sales were completely different than yours. Um, I wanted to go into marketing. I graduated, I, I say a degree, uh, a BS in BS, because I, I graduated with a bachelor's uh-huh. in marketing specifically. And it was my professor, Jerry Rosen, who I've talked about in the past. I have to look Jerry up and let, it, let him know I mentioned him so many times on the podcast. But you know, he said, Dave, you want to be a great marketer. You got to learn what people buy. So go into sales first. And it was like a tour of duty. Like it was like, go do this if you really want to be good in marketing. And so I'm yeah. curious to, to ask you, like now that you are the VP of marketing, I, I did it to learn, you know, the psychology of buying and why people buy and, you know, how to do better content oh, yeah. development. I don't think, I don't know too many people on the planet that are better suited than you to inform marketing on how to work well with sales than someone like yourself, yeah. right? I mean, you really know how to create content for sales because you've walked in those shoes for years. You even put on events and you've you know built brands and that type of stuff. So you've done the job of sales for so many different years and you really understand in today's day and age what you know the modern seller needs. So for you now to be in marketing uh, when sales comes to you and is looking for A, B, or C, and they're probably not actually coming to you, you're going to them, feeding them and, and, and supporting them. If you were starting your career in sales again or just reflecting on marketing, do you have a different perception of what marketing is versus what you did prior to, to taking the helm? Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny you mention that because like the, they really are integrated. It's not just two organizations that are aligned. They are the same thing. Just one is one-to-many and one is one-to-one. When I was a salesperson building this process at Udemy, I was reading marketing books. I was reading Ogilvy. I was reading Gary Halbert. I was, read, uh, I was reading as much about the psychology as I possibly can and reading sales books too. And you know, now it helps me in my career so much. And that, that's one thing I would tell you know, people who are just starting out in sales and marketing, like, go read sales and marketing books. And if you're in marketing, still read sales books. If you're in sales, still read marketing books because there's so much there. There's so much overlap that's going to help in your career. But there is no substitute for actually doing the work because there are things that work in theory and there are things that work in concept. But once you finally understand what works in practice, you know, it's a game changer. Like you can get in the pit with your sales team as a new marketing leader and start hearing the conversation, start hearing the customer development. You know, a lot of the things that we do right now and, and you know, we put our product marketers, um, you know, with our, our AEs and our SDRs. And I spend a lot of my time with our sales team to understand what's happening in the, the sales cycle. They are on the front lines. They are hearing from customers all day, every day. Mm-hmm. I want to know what they're talking about. What's coming up? Mm-hmm. What do I need to prepare my team for? What, are, what should we be getting ahead of? What are people thinking about that they weren't thinking about a week ago, a month ago, a year ago? And we do a lot of things, um, you know, whether it's market intelligence, so just like ear to the ground, what's going on. But we also listen to our reps. We listen to our reps' calls. We use, uh, you know, applications like Gong or Chorus or whatnot um, to listen to listen into calls and pick out, you know, the things that are being said over and over again. Are there new competitors that are being mentioned that we need to prepare our team for? Are there new features out there or things happening in the marketplace that we need to prepare the teams for? Um, and then we also do win loss analysis. And being a marketer and understanding 
the sales lingo and how salespeople work, what to look for, what to listen for. That's a huge advantage. And so I don't believe that you actually have to go be a salesperson in order to be a good marketer, but I do believe that you have to, you know, sit with your sales team from time to time. You do, you know, it would be great. I mean, Dave Gerhardt did this. He was an SDR for a month yeah. at Drift yeah. when he was a CMO, when he was the VP of marketing there. Yeah. And he sat, you know, with them and did that job. And you get to learn so much about what really moves the needle, not what like was in a textbook and like works conceptually, but like what's going to work. You're, you're the, the people you're selling to are humans. What are they saying? What's going on? I remember one of the most um, productive things we did um, that we still do now on a quarterly basis, but we did this the first time and um, realized it had such a big impact was we took uh, 10 of our best reps out to dinner one night when we were working on some new messaging and we just kind of fed them a couple questions, but let them go to town. And we were like, okay, how do you guys talk about like this new feature or this new product? Or, you know, what are you hearing in the, in the sales cycle that's got you worried? Or what are you hearing in the sales cycle that, that's got you excited? And you just ask some leading questions and they start talking and they, you know, each one has maybe a different take because they hear different things right. in the sales cycle. And then you can package all those things together and say, okay, cool. We, we just got some really good new intel on, you know, how to pitch a certain feature. Like we hadn't thought of that, but one rep had a really good take on how to package, you know, out of office. So it was completely different to what we were doing, but he had heard from customers multiple times about how they reacted to it. So we used him as, you know, a barometer for understanding how we're going to talk about something. Like I thought that was, that was pretty strong, but also indicative of, okay, sales and marketing, it, it's more than alignment. It's more than a, you know, once a week meeting between the CRO and the CMO. It's, you know, a connection and integration um, an orchestration, whatever you want to call it, that is deeper than that. You need to be ingrained in what each, you know, what each party is doing, especially as a, as you know, the marketing team getting in, in, in closer with the sales team. Well, you said, you said something earlier. I, I think I'm going to go with, that's the name of this podcast, um, which is, isn't sales and marketing the same thing. And, uh, listen to you share, you know, some of those experiences. I was just on a phone call today with Tana from Orkiva and uh, Tana and I actually met through the podcast. Um, and today I got the chance to be on a call with them because one of our consultants wasn't available. So I sat in and, and since I've had a really you know intimate role in building out our data MD service, I thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join this call and go through our service offering because I love hearing the questions and seeing how people respond to the offering so that we can continue to hone it and make it, make it ideal. And I, I love that mindset that you have, Max, which is, you know, there is no, there's not, there are different responsibilities, like the one-to-one, like you said, one-to-many in sales and marketing, but the, the skill sets are so overlapping, especially more and more these days. Let me ask you this. Do you think, mm-hmm. I, I mean, to say that they're the same thing, I mean, they're different departments, there's different day-to-day responsibilities. Do you think one job is harder than the other now that you've done both? Um, I don't know how to answer that really because I think it ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. I think there are times when marketing is hard. I mean, listen, I'm two months away from our big 3,000-person conference. I feel like right now is my, you know, it's one of those like hard seasons. It's definitely, uh, you know, 
a stressful time making sure to cross every T, dot every I. You know, the, the company is riding, you know, the reputation is riding on this thing that we do. We spend a huge amount of money on, on this one event. Um, and, you know, the job is yours to, to lose, right, if you screw it up. It's very, very, you know, it would be a, a very big public, you know, failure. And, you know, we've been pretty successful at that in the past, and it's one of those worries that it's probably rational. But, um, you know, there, there are definitely times where I think it ebbs and flows and, and marketing feels a lot harder. I think the pressure that is on, uh, you know, a salesperson to hit their number, especially in today's hyper-growth culture, is extremely daunting. Um, so there's that too. And then marketing, you know, marketing should be revenue-based. Marketing, you know, for us, we have a net new, uh, net new logo ARR number. And that's kind of like our North Star that we're connected to. So we can drive all the MQLs and SQLs and SALs in the world. But if we're not hitting our revenue number, you know, there's, there's going to be some tough times for us as well. So I, th- I don't know if like one is necessarily harder than the other, there are definitely hard times and hard things, things that people go through for both. Um, but, you know, the good news is in a good organization, they're there to support each other and hold each other up. Sure. And hopefully people are raising their hands in order to help, you know, the other ones out. Um, both are very hard jobs. And, uh, you know, there's new technology that's coming in that, that's helping. Um, there's a whole new mindset shift that is coming in with, you know, the new hires skewing towards millennials and, and even Gen Z now or whatever the next generation is called. And you're starting to figure out, okay, well, just when you thought you knew everything, just when you thought you had it figured out, there's something completely new that comes in and you've got to adapt to it. Whether it's the personality changes between the, the generations that, you know, you have to switch your tactics to manage or it's, um, you know, the technology that you had in place where, you know, one day it was working and the next day it's like, okay, your stack is behind the times. There are a lot of things you have to figure out and they're both um, extremely, you know, I think hard jobs. They're definitely hard jobs. And, and one of them, sales in particular, you're, you're, you know, a significant portion of your compensation is tied to your performance. I'm not against that, by the way, for marketing. In fact, you said something which... I totally agree with. Um, I just did a webinar the other day with Uberflip and Engageo, and we kind of started off with like four signs that your sales and marketing team are not aligned. And sign number one was that marketing doesn't carry a revenue target. Um, yep. And it's it's really more than that. It's a, it's a revenue mindset. Um, it's not yep. just having the target, but just thinking about every day, every week, because you can get super busy in marketing, right? I mean, there's a department that if you want to just get busy every single day and create content and put on events and programs. I mean, you can be as busy as you want to be and everybody is way too busy in most marketing departments that I work on. But if you don't output from that busyness, what ultimately you're trying to do, which is add customers and delight those customers, which then equals revenue, um, you're, you're far off your, you can, you can spend a lot of time, wasted time. Yeah. One of those things, and I'll just chime in, chime in real quick. Like one of the things that, um, people don't learn until later in their, I'd say later in their careers or cycles as a salesperson or a marketer is less having a less is more mentality and right. focus. And, you know, there are a lot of marketing teams and I made this mistake a million times trying to bite off too many different things. Like, cause there are a million different things you want to focus on. Oh man, we should focus on G2 crowd, but we also need to focus on, 
you know, this event, but we should also do a road show, but we should also write a book, but we should also do a podcast. But we should also, there's a million different things you know you can do that move the needle. And everybody in the organization has an opinion. And it's like, what are, so which ones do you do and do well? You don't want to spread everything around like peanut butter and then you're you know, stuck with a bunch of low quality stuff that's underperforming because that's how you get, I, honestly, I think that's the quickest way for you to get fired. But the same thing as a salesperson. It's like, what are you doing to spend your time wisely and think about that revenue number? Like, are you asking the right questions from the companies that you're speaking to to disqualify opportunities? You almost have to be a bouncer for your pipeline where it's like, all right, I only want to spend my time working on the ones that are going to close. Mm-hmm. I don't want to work on times, spend my time on working on ones that aren't going to close. So focus is so key and it's that overlapping thing, you know, where it's almost less is more in, you know, both of those and you have to have that kind of pedigree. Uh, and that carries over for both. You're yeah. highlighting something I want to underscore because a lot of marketers feel, I, I put up a cartoon last week, it was from my book. Um, it's a sales marketing head sitting in front of HR, which probably should have been the CEO, but either way, one saying, I, he told me I don't follow up on anything, and then he said all my leads suck, right? And they're, they're pointing the finger at each other. And the thing that you said about uh, that sales Sales doesn't like to waste time. I mean, there are there are underperforming salespeople, and there are salespeople who just you know don't focus for sure um, because they're human beings. But if you've ever wondered in marketing why sales doesn't like to follow up on, I'm going to call them leads, and and feels the way that they do is because if they're spending time on things that are not connecting them to progress, which is pipeline and ultimately revenue, and then commissions. It, it's wasting their time in their mind, just just consciously and subconsciously. How how do you deal with that, Max? Shifting to kind of more day in the life for for Max running marketing and outreach. By the way, the bar's got to be pretty high for you guys there because you know you you make technology to align sales and marketing and create you know outreach capabilities for SDRs and and business development folks. So looking introspectively, do you feel you do alignment pretty well between sales and marketing there? I think we do, and I always think we could do it better. Like I, I actually never, you know, it's like uh, Simon Sinek's got a new book, like Infinite Game. Like yeah. There's no winning, there's no like win, never won. You can be winning, but you never won. For us, it's, you know, I think we're doing things well. I think there are always things that we could do better. I think we're constantly feeling stretched and, you know, under-resourced. And I actually, I think if you're not, then you're not pushing hard enough. Um, but I do think that, you know, we, we do a lot to drive enablement with our, our, between our marketing teams and our sales teams. And, you know, that, that I, you know, the dinner that I spoke about before where we are, you know, letting our reps, you know, kind of go at it and talk in front of us and brainstorming them ways to enable them better is one really good example of it. Another really good example of it is, you know, marketing works. We have a, we have a dedicated hire that does our, uh, sales sequences and cadences, whichever one you term you, you go by in the marketing uh, department. Yeah. Correct. Right there. That's their focus. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So that's their focus. So, you know, they're working with the, the reps, they're working with marketing and they're working with enablement, understanding, um, you know, what's going on, uh, you know, in the world, did your competitor just buy a, uh, an, a product and they're, you know, you're starting to see that pop up in deals. How do you respond to that is, uh, you know, did you just raise a round of funding and now you want to, you know, get that out there? Is there something else that's going on? You know, did your team just do a campaign around account-based? You know, for us, we'll do a, a campaign um, around account-based sales. And that'll be three webinars, 
um, an ebook and, you know, the, the sequences that we set up. So that'll be a value driver sequence that sends people the webinar, gives them an option to check out the ebook, gives them an option to set up a phone call, whatever it is in that sequence we set up for our sales team with the marketing campaign. So it's all connected. So like marketing has our marketing emails are going out, we're retargeting, we're doing whatever else to get people into our funnel. We're also leveraging our salespeople to get people into the funnel, whether it's, you know, net new or customers to upsell. And they're sending out the sequences that are relevant, current, and going to get people to sign up even on a one-to-one basis. And then they can follow up on that value. So they're always adding value in the process, even if they're not currently in cycle with a company. And a lot of that messaging comes from marketing or the finalized messaging comes from marketing so that everybody's always on the same page at the same time. And it's actually one of the, as a, as a marketer, as a VP of marketing, my actually probably my favorite feature selfishly from a marketing standpoint of outreach is something I haven't seen in any other sales engagement platform, but it's something we have called content collections. So I know that my reps are always going to be sending the relevant and current collateral or content that we've created for them, depending on who they are and what they are, right? So like mm-hmm. if, the, if we have SDRs that are sending to mid-market companies, they have the content collection for that bucket. If we have AEs in you know, UK EMEA, they have the content collection for that bucket. So it always ensures that your content is nice and neatly organized and the right reps can find the right stuff. So that marketing's job isn't, you know, wasted, right? Who, who is sick of a rep? Oh, you know, I couldn't find this thing. So I sent this, you know, ebook from 2017. That's like now factually incorrect. That's such a pain in the ass. Like we just put all this work into this nice new 2020, you know, account-based sales ebook and you couldn't find it in the, you know, wherever you're keeping your collateral. So you're just going to send the old one or whatnot, right? Like they, they're not sending the stuff that's, that's been worked on by marketing. That's nice. That's new. That's relevant. And, uh, therefore making the work obsolete or redundant or whatnot. So, um, I think that's an area where we strongly drive alignment or integration. What's this? So, so you have someone who creates specific sequences and looks at the content and, and such. What's that person's title if it's relevant um, for that for that role? And are you seeing more of that, more and more of that in your in your client base? Yeah, it's a marketing campaign specialist or sales campaign specialist. We are seeing um, this a lot more. Uh, we we probably get a, I don't know, a couple of emails a week from customers that are like, hey, can you send me the JD mm-hmm. you put together, the job description for the, the person that you have uh, you know, in role right now? And it's, it's somebody who we try to hire somebody who's done sales development before mm-hmm. um, that is just a, you know, a good writer. Um, you can go the copywriting route, but the reason why we went to hire somebody who's, in, who's done sales development before is because we sell to salespeople. So like sales development is our customer. So we wanted to make sure that like somebody knew our base very well and knew the ins and outs of what our customer, um, you know, was doing, what was important to them, could share their passion, could talk their language. Um, you don't have to do that every time. And actually probably is harder to find, you know, if you're selling to developers, probably harder to find somebody who overlaps with like, right. knows developers really well and is also good at you know, copywriting and understands, you know, sales psychology or marketing psychology, right? So maybe it's different competencies, hire different 
profiles. So once you guys have developed some sequences for your team and you've put these into place, how often are those changing or getting modified? Um, I'd say the, like, the bulk of them are changed quarterly, but there are definitely times when things come up you know, in real time that we need to react to. Um, you know, the, one of the examples I gave before, like let's say your, your competitor buys, a, buys a, a new vendor and now they have a new feature set. You know, are you going to start getting questions in the sales cycle about that? Probably. So you want to make sure your reps are enabled immediately. And so marketing has to go and take, take that on. So we have marketing, we have a full-time market intelligence hire that is focused on, you know, what are, what are other players in the space doing and how are we, how are we talking about that? Whether it's an integration, whether it's a competitor, um, you know, anything else, some kind of a partner, uh, we want to be up to date and up to speed at all times. If someone, if you were advising someone to develop content streams and mm-hmm. a lot of people say, uh, we do, we've, we've helped our clients with a lot of like nurture strategy all the time. And so we'll help them figure out of the content they have kind of work works for different types of nurtures. How are you going about, or does your team go about the process of figuring out which content to use in sequences because you're constantly building new content and have all these different assets. So how do you go about it? Yeah. Um, so we have, uh, AB testing built into our platform. So we, you know, we, we drink our champagne, mm-hmm. so drink our own champagne or eat our own dog food, whichever phrase you, you want to use. But, um, I prefer champagne. Yeah. I prefer champagne as well. Exactly. So we, um, we AB test everything through our, through our reps, through our own platform. So for example, um, we A-B test subject lines, we A-B test content campaigns. Um, we'll do, you know, two campaigns for sales ops, two campaigns for sales development. If we're selling to those two personas, um, we've already built out a framework of understanding, you know, who is our ideal customer? Um, what resonates with our ideal customer? Uh, what are our ideal customers talking about? And then at that point we will start the A-B test, start the experiments. Um, so we do a lot of analysis. We are uh, moving from judging open rates and response rates to now uh, and reply rates to now understanding sentiment. So we can we are rolling out in beta right now. You know, again in our own platform, the ability to understand if somebody responded with a positive or negative reply mm-hmm. or an objection, and then we're allowing our reps to get back to those people based on the order of you know what came in. We did a case study with uh, Glassdoor already on this, and it turns out that um, when they responded to objections faster, they had a higher meeting rate than when they responded to positive replies. And that was pretty interesting, because if you'd think if somebody responded positively that they would want to meet with you, and that would turn into revenue faster than if somebody had an objection. But if somebody has an objection, then they've already thought about it. They put some thought into it, right? Like if they didn't care at all, they wouldn't respond. They would delete the email or they just wouldn't respond to it. Or they'd say like, no. But if they have an actual objection, that means they've actually put some thought into it. Right. You know, right? Like, oh, we have a, we, sorry, we already have a current solution. But, you know, no thanks or whatever. It's like, all right, well, all right. They, they, we know that they're using something. They took the time to respond. You know, we can, we can respond to this and it's probably a warmer lead than somebody who was like, Oh, oh, this is cool. You know, right. So like, it depends on, um, 
you know, it depends on your business and it, it, there's no silver bullets in sales or marketing. I don't think, I think everybody needs to experiment and, and AB test with their messaging, but it's something that we do, you know, that our team does that we keep an eye on. And we actually wrote a book about it called sales engagement, but it has a lot of our AB tests and, you know, experiments in there that, that we run. So we, we use our own platform. We understand our, our persona and our ideal customer profile and which ones we, we want to speak to. And I don't know if you've ever read the book above and below the line skill, uh, selling by Skip Miller. No, I read that one. Nope. So it's an interesting concept in that book. It's a sales book, but it applies to marketing as well, as well, you know, based on, you know, what we said previously, but, um, the way that he frames it is, you know, there are probably three different personas that you're selling to, um, when you're selling. And for us, it's, uh, the rep or manager, then sales operations, who's the one, you know, who would do the implementation, the rep or the manager, the end user, and then there's sales leadership. Those are the people who make the buying decision, you know, sign mm-hmm. the contract, mm-hmm. whatnot. So those are our three personas. Now, those three different personas have three different languages. They speak three different languages. So, you know, they say in the book, like, you know, the rep or manager speaks Spanish, the sales operations person, you know, in our case, speaks Greek, and, the, you know, the sales leadership person speaks Russian. If we try to speak Spanish to the person who speaks Russian, we're going to completely miss the mark. If we say, hey, you're going to um, be able to do this task faster and it's going to be awesome to the leader, he doesn't care about that. Mm-hmm. You need to tell him that he's going to be able to hit his number right. three quarters from now. His board's going to be very happy. Right? Like he speaks a completely different language. Then you've got you know, the same thing the opposite way. So if you tell the rep that like, the board's going to be really happy with your purchase. They're going to be like, I, what? I don't, that doesn't resonate to me. They want to know that they're going to hit their quota, that they're going to get paid and that they can take their family to Disneyland after they get paid. <laughs> right. So like what's going to resonate with them. So you have got these three different personas that speak very different languages and you need to make sure that you are, you know, when you're sending the content out, making sure that your reps are sending the right things to the right people. Otherwise, you're going to completely miss the mark because they don't speak that language. They don't know what you're saying. It doesn't resonate with them. So that's something we, we, you know, we built in as a marketing team. And again, as a marketer, understanding sales and understanding that helps us set our team up for success. Let's talk tactical for a little bit about doing mm-hmm. outreach, no pun intended. Um, what, is, what, what first touches are working the best today for SDRs? Um, well, that's that's a perfect thing to A-B test or experiment with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we are, I could sit here and tell you that, you know, there's a silver bullet because we ran a test of a thousand, uh, you know, a thousand sequences that started with different touches and, you know, this one won. But that would only have one for our business. You know, what worked for our business might not work for another business. Right. There's, you know, I've heard uh, somebody recently tell me that they did um, highly personalized emails versus cold calls and cold calls one. Like most people would be like, no, no way. way. Yeah. You got to, you know, you got to personalize emails, but not for his business model. Like that wasn't what worked. He, he tested it. He's got the results. Uh, that was Tito Bort at Alti Sales and, uh, and Ewan Gillespie at IBM doing a, a test together. And it's real. I've seen the results. And it's one of our mantras, you know, at Outreach is no silver, silver bullets. You got to A-B test and see what works for your business. So, you know, we've done a lot of these tests. We've started things with, um, 
you know, direct mailing, whether you use like an Alice or Sendoso or mm-hmm. PFL or Postal, there's a lot of companies coming out now in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can start with direct mail. You can start with an email. You can start with a LinkedIn connection and a LinkedIn message. You could start with a phone call. You could start with Twitter. You can start with a, I would not, but you could start with a text message. Um, that could be a dangerous one for you. <laughs> uh, and it depends on your, you know, on your geographic region and, and you know what you're abiding by. You know there's CCPA and GDPR and things that you have to you know be mindful of now too. So I think that's also something that's on the marketing team to work with your you know uh, chief information security officer, your legal team, and whatever else to make sure you're buttoned up on. And that's another reason why you don't want you know sales to be going rogue. It's also another reason why, as you know, again drinking my own champagne, we love leveraging outreach at our company because we know we're covered. And I'm not going to get fired because we, you know, we got fined for 4% of our revenue by, you know, the European Union or whatever mm-hmm. else because we, you know, our reps are, are going rogue. So I think, um, you know, one of the things that I personally like that I can say to your question is I do, uh, do like starting out with a LinkedIn connection, an email, and a very thoughtful uh, Sendoso or, you know, PFL or Alice, one of those guys, we use Sendoso, but... Um, some kind of direct mail. And in our platform, what we do is we'll send it all through outreach. So you can do the LinkedIn connection through outreach. You can do the email through outreach. You can automate the whole thing. We'll do some research on the individual. So one of the things that worked really well for us recently is we sent uh, some Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, you know, kind of gear swag, as you call it, marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, to a target account, uh, you know, stakeholder decision maker. And we, we couldn't find anything personal about her until we scrolled down to like 2016 on our Twitter. And it turns out she was like a Steelers fan. So we sent that. And in, um, in our platform, when you send it from outreach, the entire loop, you know, it closes the, right. it closes the loop. Yeah. So when it sends the package, the FedEx notification that the package got delivered gets triggered right back into outreach and triggers the next step of the sequence immediately. So at 12.01 PM, we got the notification that the package was delivered at like 12.02 PM, an email went out to that person. which was like, Hey, how'd you like the you know stuff that you got or whatever. And then at 12.06 PM, we got an email back like, Oh, this was amazing. I'll meet with, I'll have my team meet with your team next Thursday. Let's find a time. So like that was one of those things where wow, like the the automation pretty much did it all. We just came up with the right things. So like we allowed the salesperson to focus on the human part of selling, which was like the research, picking what to send, and the you know, the sequence of events. And the automation queued it all up. You know, it's your system of action. It does everything itself. And it makes sure that the rep did all the right things. Because if the rep sends the package package gets delivered and the rep doesn't follow up for two days. It doesn't work. That like honeymoon feeling of the package just getting there doesn't have the same effect. And so your A reps, they know to follow up immediately and they're good. We save them time, whatever, 27 seconds. Your B reps, they follow up in two or three days and you know, maybe it still works. Maybe it doesn't. Your C and D and E and F and whatever else, those reps, they forget to follow up after the package got delivered. And then marketing just spent their money and sales didn't follow up. 
And that's how, you know, rifts occur, right? Like, hey, we just paid a bunch of this money out of our budget, demand gen budget, to do send, you know, to do sends for everyone. What happened with that? Well, I don't know. Our reps didn't follow up, and it didn't turn into meetings. Had everybody followed up, we would have been able to, you know, actually see ROI from it. And that is how, you know, rifts occur between the two organizations, right? So, leveraging technology to make sure that process is automated is really important, but it also saves that stress and it protects the ROI. I wonder if there's ever going to be a time when we talk less about sales and marketing alignment and you know, maybe if, if what you shared uh, isn't sales and marketing the same thing that at a certain generational time uh, of working together, now that we have all these tools where we aren't just aligned in terms of the departments you know, driving towards, let's say, a revenue number, but we've got integrated systems, marketing automation, CRM, to name just two, uh, including tons, many more. We're, we're putting orchestration plays in place, like you're saying, where the conversations, some of them are being driven by sales, some of them are being driven by marketing, and I mean driven me like that touch in the sequence is being delivered by one department versus another and coming up with those those sequences and you know tried to pin you down for you know what works best and as you said it it depends um which is which is a common um answer to so many things because everybody's business is a little bit different and I, as I was listening to you kind of map out that orchestration was thinking like is isn't it the whole and not any one part that, you know, if you, if you started on LinkedIn and then went to email and then went to direct mail, or if you done direct mail and then a LinkedIn connection followed by an email, would the net result be the same? And you do need platforms, like you say, to do testing, certainly at, at scale to, uh, to do it. Let's wrap up um, with the conference coming up, because uh, you mentioned that, and that was, that was in the planning season. I've never been to the conference, so... I would love for you to just take a minute and say, you know, who who do you try to attract to it, and and why are they there? Yeah, so we've got Unleash coming up April seventh to the ninth in San Diego, um, and it's our fourth event. Uh, we're expecting three thousand attendees. Um, it is the sales engagement conference, so we'll be talking about kind of the next evolution of sales and what we're seeing. Um, it is not about outreach uh, per se. It is about kind of sales as a whole and, and where the, you know, industry is going. And so we've got some, some really incredible speakers are, you know, some of our keynotes are Guy Raz from uh, how I built this program on NPR. Um, and he'll be talking to Manny a little bit about how um, Manny built outreach, our CEO, yeah. but also about, you know, key learnings from Guy's experience running that show and, and um, what he's learned. We've got uh, Carrie Lawrence, who was the first uh, female fighter pilot for the U S Navy and then it's a show really stocked full of practitioners who've kind of been there, done that. So we've got a really amazing panel, uh, or not panel, fireside chat um, with Elisa Fink and Kelly Wright. Kelly Wright is the, was the EVP sales at Tableau. Elisa Fink was the CMO at Tableau. And Kelly was there from zero to 850 million ARR. And Elisa was there from zero to 1.2 billion in ARR. That's not valuation, that's ARR. They've seen mm-hmm. it all. Mm-hmm. So really excited to, to dig in to kind of uncover you know, what they would do differently next time. Um, we've got Ken Hamill, who's been running sales operations for SAP for the past 15 years. So kind of really interested to hear what it's like um, to you know, run sales operations in a company that size. We've got um, a really amazing one, Mike Claybill, who doesn't do a lot of speaking out there, um, but Amazon uh, Web Services uh, 
was a good customer of ours and he's coming in and telling us um, a little bit about his process at Amazon Web Services. They've got 13,000 reps. They're growing 50% year over year. They're at 36 billion ARR. Uh, they're the largest SaaS company in the world, you know, if they were a standalone company. Um, so that should be a pretty interesting one. And then we've got practitioners from, you know, some of our biggest customers and, and most innovative customers. We've got Dropbox, Workday, uh, you know, Tableau, um, Red Hat, Adobe, Juniper, um, AT&T, uh, Sprint, and a couple others who uh, will be uh, sharing their knowledge of, you know, all things you know, modern sales. So really excited. Uh, 3,000 people. Got a big, uh, you know, expo, expo show for with some of the companies we spoke about on this podcast included, you know, some of the ones in uh, conversational intelligence, some of the ones in uh, direct mail, data vendors, you name it. So should be, uh, should be a good one. Uh, San Diego, 7th through 9th, go to uh, unleash.outreach.io for more information. Nice. Well, thanks for sharing that. Thanks, thanks for all your shares. I mean, you've, you've written your books, you do a podcast yourself, and you, uh, you know, love to get information out there and, and teach people and get into the mind of Max. Um, much much yeah. appreciated. Uh, also appreciated your team you know, recently getting together with my group. We have so many customers who overlap together, and we took a really deep dive, as you know, into the platform to get an update on, on what you guys are working on and where things are going. And uh, no doubt there's, there's more and more capabilities added to the platform, and uh, it, was, it was nice to see that you guys are just keeping the innovation going and keeping building in oh, the yeah. capabilities to, to help your clients be more and more successful. It's great. Appreciate that. I'm looking forward to working with you guys uh, as well. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Max, for getting on that program. I know it is, it is a tough time of year for you, and you're a busy guy, so I want to say thanks for dropping in. I also want to say thanks to all of you. I have received uh, just some of the most really uh, heartfelt and, and very nice kind words on LinkedIn from you guys uh, letting me know that you're tuning into the program and what you're taking away from it or just that you're listening. And I just want you guys to know that I really appreciate it. You know, and I have these conversations with Max and it's one-on-one and I'm listening intently to what he's sharing uh, for me to know that you guys are out there and that you're getting value from various different podcasts and sharing that with me. Thank you for doing that. So I encourage you to keep it up. And uh, I loved uh, all the people that I've had a chance to meet this year so far already that um, I've met through the podcast. So thanks for tuning in, everybody. That is going to do it for this episode, and we'll catch you on the next one. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.